part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. As you're seated, open your Bibles to Psalms 51. We've made it up to verse 10. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12. We've actually uh, been singing the song that is reflected here. Uh, we'll actually end the service this morning by singing that song again. Uh, and you, you seem to have really taken to that song when we sang it uh, a couple of times uh, weeks before of creating me a, a clean heart. And this is, we finally get to that part of this passage. Remember last week I, I said that um, biblical repentance, especially as we see it reflected here in Psalms 51, that it really does begin kind of with the darkness and the heaviness and uh, almost a, a solemnness and everything as we go deep, deep, deep in the confession of our sin. And we confess before God that, that you know, we have these things in our lives. And, and yet in biblical repentance, the reason why we can say that there's real beauty in that is because there is a turn. And, and the fullness of biblical repentance is not just staying in this dark place, not just covered in, in ashes. But when we begin to see God begin to restore and remake and redo all the things in our lives. We asked last week, if you could go back five minutes, was there ever a time that you wish you could go back five minutes or five hours or even five days? And, and I saw a lot of people last week going, yes, I think it's something we can relate to. That, you know, in some way that we wish that God gave do-overs or and if you're a golfer, a mulligan. But I want you to know this morning that God gives much more than a mulligan. It's much more than just, okay, you get another shot at this. It goes deeper than that. It's not just, okay, I failed this time, let me try it again. But then he gives us something, a hope that goes beyond ourselves. And we see that this morning in the scripture. Uh, Carly and I, we, we like a lot of the cooking shows and home shows and the Braves. That's the, the three things that we watch. And uh, we like a lot of the home renovation shows. You know, sometimes you get really inspired and, you know, sometimes they do a room or sometimes they do a, a house or something and, Sometimes when they do it, there's some shows that we're going, okay, you painted the wall. Is that really home renovation? And there's a couple shows that we've made that comment before, like, okay, all they did was paint and clean up their trash. That's, is that renovation? You know, that it was really surface level, level. And sometimes it's a little bit more dramatic. You know, you're going, okay, that really changed kind of the whole appearance of the room or something. But still, it's just kind of paint. It's not like they tore down walls. Like, they didn't really do anything beyond just new paint. And you can see the difference and you're going, okay, that looks better. But there's other shows that they go in there with sledgehammers. And they go in there and they create something, you know, and, and really kind of uh, take it to the next level. And there's some of those that it's a kitchen before and it's a kitchen afterwards, but it's a brand new kitchen. And they go in deeper. It's not just a coat of paint. Then there's other shows that they go in there and they truly create something that was not there before. They go to a space that was just all abandoned, maybe moldy, this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, they have something brand new. Where before you had this wasted space and you locked the door and now it's like, okay, we want to live in here. I want you to know that this morning as we look at these pictures and we see that destruction on one side and then we see something very livable on the other side, that that really is kind of a reflection of our lives when we think about biblical repentance. That God takes something that was really destroyed, that something you want to lock the door, you don't want anybody to know. 
And he makes something beautiful out of it. More than just new paint over the old walls. More than just kind of covering up with a, a quick gloss to something that still structurally is not changed. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I don't need a coat of paint. I don't need a gloss. I need a structural change. Amen? I mean, when we really get what biblical repentance is all about, and this is what we see reflected in what David said a couple weeks ago, when he said, no, I, I know I was born in iniquity, and he wasn't making a bad comment about his mom. He says, I realized that when I was born, I had a sin nature. And so what I need isn't just kind of a gloss over. I don't need a new coat of paint on the old wood. I actually need a whole new foundation. I need a kind of a total destruction of the old so that you can make something of the new. Psalms 51 is really kind of a restoration project of David's life. David had already known God, known God intimately, and, and known God in, in such a personal way. And yet, as he allowed sin into his life, as he made some choices that were not reflective of, of God's commands, uh, David began to not only feel the reverberation of those sins, he felt a distance between he and God. And we get to the point of Psalm 51 now where we begin to see that he's made this confession. Remember what he said in those early verses, against you, against you only have I sinned. In other words, it was so personal that even though Bathsheba, Uriah were affected by this, many other people affected, his main attention is that he had lost something with his God. So many times, folks, in our own lives, our own sins, our own choices that we make, that we wish we'd go back that five minutes or five days. What we're looking at a lot of times is the ramifications of, oh my goodness, that's going to cost me $10,000. That's going to cost me my job. That's going to cost me my marriage. And that's important. Okay, Nobody's minimizing that. David even went beyond all that. He said, what this is costing is my intimacy with God. A feeling that I can just go to God and that God and I are together. And so as we open up and we begin to see this song, remember songs were their hymnal. Okay. Uh, for those that are not familiar with a hymnal, it's what we used to have back in the dark ages in church. And they were actually right in front of you and you could kind of take it out. And they had these songs and they were numbered. And the guy would say, turn to page 452 and we'd sing that song. Well, this was the Old Testament hymnal and so they would sing these songs. And we see this beautiful refrain in Psalms 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Again, remember last week we said that it's kind of a turning point in this whole biblical repentance. That there was confession, there was admittance, there was sorrow and brokenness over his sin. And now he begins to this upturn as he's drawing closer and closer to God. And if you go back, you'll find seven different requests that David makes of God. Two of them we find here. Created me, restored me the joy of your salvation. He's making requests to God. Now, now, why is that an important part of biblical repentance? Because in this part, we just kind of feel distant from God. When you're on the downside of sin, 
even in his first throes of confession and admitting to sin, do you feel close to God or do you feel kind of far away from God? you feel like, okay, God, just come here and give me a big hug? Or do you kind of feel, uh, to put it in maybe very practical terms, like that prodigal son who's gone away and he just feels dirty? But now he's making requests of God. Not in a demanding way, but in a way based on the character of God. God, God will you create in me a, a clean heart? God, will you restore to me the joy of your salvation? I've known that. Will you do this in my heart, in my life? And the wording that David writes in verse 10 demonstrates this very heartfelt, deep renovation. Not just a a coat of paint on his old life. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What's the first word there? Create. It's an Old Testament word, a Hebrew, a bara. And it's found throughout the Old Testament, this Hebrew word. Guess where it's found first in the Bible? Genesis 1-1. I think I heard somebody say that. Remember Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and earth. From nothing to something. Does that describe slapping some paint on old wood? No, he created. There was nothingness, and God made somethingness. Folks, don't let this escape you. Please do not let this escape you. This is our hope. But just sing a song. God, I don't have anything worthy to bring to you. You're a king. You're the creator of all things. There is no worth here valid for me to, to, to make these requests to you. And yet I come based on your righteousness. That you're the creator of things. That you are the father of creation. And that you created me. The hope here that David has is not just for a kind of a surface job, but that he asks God, will you make something out of nothing? Do you get the fullness of that word? Because has there been a time in your life that you truly felt that you were nothing? Spiritually. Has there ever been that time you're going... Not only do I have nothing worth to bring to a king, but I need to run away because of my shame, because of my failure, because of my sin, because of whatever. I don't even need to be in the presence of the king. And yet David has a boldness that comes from knowing his God and the character of his God that he says, will you create in me a a new and a clean heart? Three reasons why this is really, really important. If you're a note taker, I would write these down. Because this is the application. This is the beauty of that word create. Three reasons why this is really important to us. Number one, it shows that David realizes that he cannot do it himself. How many of you have ever tried to live the Christian life yourself? You're talking about frustrating. I don't, please hear this in context. I'd almost rather be lost, it seems, than try to live the Christian life in your own effort. Because it's frustrating. Now, in reality, I'm glad that I'm saved. <laughs> 
Because the destiny of those, the eternal destiny of those. But, but I think you know what I mean. That when you're trying to live the Christian life in your own power, through morality and just trying to be a better person, that's hard work. And while you'll have some successes, and you can put some chinks there under the W column, you're going to have a whole bunch in that loss column too. There's going to be days that you just cannot measure up. You don't have it within you. And so the first thing that David realizes is that, that to the core, he is tainted. That's what he said. I, I was born in iniquity. Left to himself that he's going to come right back to the sin in three days, three weeks, three months, or three years. Have you ever been on that path before? I mean, you really felt bad over something. A lack of forgiveness. Or maybe I, I used to call them pet sins. Because I think every one of us has a pet sin. I said that we realize is in our life and then we get better and we don't visit it and we don't do it. And then three months later, three years later, three days later, we pet that sin again. I think every one of us have something like that in our life. And, and David realizes this about himself and he realizes that he needs that, that for God to do something. But there's a second thing. It shows that David not only realizes he can't do it himself, but it shows David that he realizes that he needs more than an outward change. David realizes that his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah was not just a bad choice, but again was part of his core being. We live in a day, folks, where, well, that was just a bad choice. I mean, my wife works in the school system and she's telling the students all the time, make good choices. And we get that, make good choices. But David realizes that this goes beyond what he did was not just a bad choice. It was a bad choice, but it goes further than that. He he internalizes and realizes this wasn't just I was having a bad day. He realizes, man, this is my core. And then the third thing, he realizes that there is hope beyond even our most destructive of sins. I mean, would you say that this sin forever changed David's life? Go back and read 2 Samuel, and you'll see that it did. And read the rest of, of David's history. His family life was never the same, folks. Did God forgive? Did he restore? Did he create in him a new heart? Yes. Do we see in Acts where the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart? That wasn't before this sin. That's in the New Testament as they're looking back at David, and they describe David as a man after God's own heart. So there's hope. But that hope was not going to come just because he was trying harder. He can't go back and just start again. He needs God to do something for him. And, and so you see, slapping some new paint on old rotting wood may look good for a while. But unless you replace the old wood, new paint only covers it up temporarily. And, and I think, I mean, I think every guy, every gal here that's done any kind of home repair, I mean, have you ever gotten tired? And it's just one little section. Slap a little wood putty there, sand it off, paint it over, and it looks really good. Unless there was something inherently in the core of that where there was some mold, there was some termites, there was something. And so you you made it look hard and sturdy and glossy from the outside, and yet if there's truly some internal core structural things going on there, it's just a matter of time. Would you say that that characterizes our spiritual life? 
That, that, that's really who we are. That's what David has been confessing. That there's a core problem here, God. And so will you create in me a clean heart? So many times when we try on our own efforts, so many times when we slap new paint over something that's structurally faulty, uh, we see that come back into our lives three days, three weeks, three months, three years later. God, I mean, David asked God for a miracle. Can David create something out of nothing? Can he create a new heart? No. And so he goes to God and he says, will you, will you create in me a clean heart? So the first word that we really need to emphasize this morning and really give notice to is that word create. Now the second one is this word clean. Tahor. And it means purity. It means unalloyed. Gold. You know, there's a difference between 10 karat gold, 14 karat gold, 18 karat gold, 22 karat gold, 24 karat gold. 24 karat gold is as good as you can get. It's 99.9999% pure. But, you know, 10 karat gold is mostly an alloy. It's 58% this alloy that they put, other metals that they put in there. And then they put 42% gold in. And you don't have to worry about these percentages, okay? There won't be a quiz afterwards, okay? But as you move up from 10 karat gold to 14 karat gold, 18 karat gold, what you're doing is you're putting more and more gold in there and less and less alloy. Now, this word clean, back in the Hebrew, means pure, unalloyed. What David said, will you... Will you create in me a heart that's not full of other stuff? Will you give me a heart just for you? Is that humanly possible? Is, is it possible for us to have that kind of heart? I don't know. I, I think if I read Romans 7 and Romans 6 and 7, I'm going to battle with this flesh into my dying breath. And so that's why I'm so dependent on that first song that we sing about the blood of Christ washing away our sins. It's not an effort that we're doing together. Us and God, we're working. We're buddies here. God, you do 55% and I'll do 45%. No, folks, we need a clean heart. And God did that through the work of Christ. So positionally, if you're a Christian this morning, if you've put all of your faith and trust to be made right with a holy God, in Christ and his work alone, not your works, not your efforts, not your help, then positionally, as a Christian, you're 100% saved. But practically, how many of you that are 100% saved are still struggling with some alloys added to your life and your heart? Yeah. Does that make sense? And so he asked God, will you create, will you make something out of nothing? I don't have anything here to start with. I don't have some matchsticks and some hay and some wood that you can start a fire with. And I want you to start the fire. And he says, I have nothing. So God, you're going to have to bring the hay, the matchsticks, the wood. You're going to have to bring, if you're going to start a fire in my heart, you're going to have to do it all. You're going to have to create because I have nothing to bring. And he says, Here's what I want you to create. I want you to create in me a clean heart. A heart that truly beats for you. 
and you alone? I, I really don't, I don't say this in a negative way. I don't know that I'll ever achieve that. I don't think that you'll achieve that. Again, I think that's the frustration of, of what we see in Romans 7 is this frustration that, okay, even though we know positionally we're as saved as we're going to get, that we still struggle in a practical way. And Paul says, I don't do the things I want to do and I, I don't, I do the things that, that I don't want to. Have you experienced that side of the Christian life? I don't really want to be mad at that woman, but I'm mad. I really don't want to do fill in the blank, but. And so we throw that but in there. We throw this, okay, I'm going to make a bad choice. Now David says, will you create, will you make something of nothing? Will you create in me a clean heart? In addition, the word clean was used in the Bible uh, in association with ceremonial cleansing uh, before God in a moral sense. Of, and this is why we see this extreme washing uh, of, of the priest in the Old Testament. Go back. If you're having trouble sleeping, go back and read Leviticus and some of those places where it talks about ceremonial, uh, being ceremonially clean. I admit it's kind of boring stuff in the sense of, you know, we see the importance of it, but it just like went through this repetition of, of preparing for worship and preparing for what God had called them to do. And it was really focused on purity and getting clean. So David says, you know, God, I, I want a 24 karat heart. I want a 24 karat heart. And then he continues that process in the verses, he says, and renew a right spirit within me. People have asked, Bobby, you know, I, I don't quite understand this whole thing that when we die, when a Christian dies, do we immediately go to be with God? And they say, yes. I was just to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. And, and yet, it's the body still there. So, so what goes to heaven? The soul. Who you really are. You know your feelings, your thoughts, your personality, your convictions, all those. That's your soul. That's your spirit. God made this unique. My my dog, I've shared this with you before. My dog doesn't contemplate eternity. She contemplates supper. (laughs) I mean, really. We feed her in the morning and all she's thinking about is when supper. She doesn't contemplate, you know. If I've been a bad dog today, I wonder if I'm still going to be able to go to doggy heaven or if I'm not. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just trying to... This is a gift that he's given us. We contemplate these things. Why? Because we're really intelligent people. No, because God created you with a spirit and a soul. You can think about things like what happens to people after they die. And so David takes it and he says, okay, I want a clean heart, but, but I want to renew a right spirit. That's who I really am. That's my thoughts and, and my convictions. And, and that's what I, my, occupies my mind and my heart. So God, will you, will you renew a right spirit within me? This is one of the main errors that we often try when we try to renovate or renew our spiritual lives. We try to change external things, and there is some value of that. If every time you go down this road, it gets you in trouble, guess what, guys? Don't go down that road, okay? So there's some value. 
But is the answer all in just changing external behavior? How's that worked for you? And so David comes and he goes from the external to the internal. He doesn't just say, okay, God, that that whole thing with Bathsheba. Okay, God, don't put me around pretty women for the rest of my life. Might have been a good prayer for him, but that's not going to change his insides. And, And so this transformation, this core that he's trying to say, will you create in me a clean heart? Will you create in out of nothing, something that is a 24-carat heart for you, God? He said, will you, will you renew a right spirit within me, a right mind, a pure foundation? And I believe that David uses that word renew here because David had experienced some of that before. Remember when David, the same David, fought Goliath? Everybody else in the whole Israelite army, they're shaking literally behind trees and rocks. When Goliath, this nine foot nine, we're told, giant comes out and he curses the Israelites and he calls them names. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 43 and 45. And the Philistines said to David, that is Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? Because remember, David comes out there and he's got a sling and, and some rocks. He says, am I a dog that you send this little boy who doesn't even shave yet to come out here and fight me, a champion? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Does David know this God in that verse? Is there a connection that David feels with this God? Or does he think that he has just mastered the whole slingshot thing? He knows the source of his power. In his spirit, he knows that he can go up against this giant, this warrior. Why? Because he's just as clever. He's just a brash Young boy who thinks he can take on the world? No, because he has confidence and connection to his God. God, renew a right spirit. I've known, I've known that connection before, God. I've known that before. I've seen you empower me before. And I, I want it again. Because I'm not feeling it right now. I believe that David is asking for two things here. The power of God in the presence of God. Have you known the power of God in your life before? I mean, I love testimonies where they go, and then out of the blue, nothing. God did this. You mean he created something? You didn't know the Hebrew word. You weren't concerned about the Hebrew word. You just knew that there was nothing, and God did something. And you knew deep in your spirit that there was something missing when you'd gone astray. And yet you wanted that back. Renewing me a, a right spirit. God, I, not only do I want your power, but I want your presence. So what is this prayer? Look at verse 11 and verse 12. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now I know all the theologians are going, well, you know, 
You get the Holy Spirit and it's permanent, sealed into the day of redemption. And you're exactly right. New Testament, that's the promise of every true believer. The Holy Spirit has come and sealed us into the day of redemption. We can't lose the Holy Spirit. Can we offend, abuse, grieve, sorrow the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can we feel distant from the Holy Spirit, even though the very Spirit of God resides in our heart? Yes. Can we, if you want to say, lose the peace, the joy, and the hope that comes from God's presence in our lives? Yeah. Don't expect those things when there's active sin in our lives. Now, folks, when I say that, we're active sinners every day. Amen? I mean, I'm not saying amen like that's a good thing. Yeah, we're active sinners. Now, I'm saying, don't we sin every day? And yet when I'm talking about active sin, I'm talking about this rebellious spirit. We're talking about what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah. That was plotted out. That was known. He's working upon something. That was an old bad choice. Now, there's something within David that knew that. And so now he comes back and he says, look, I felt your joy. I felt your peace. I felt your presence and your power, and I don't feel it. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because in the Old Testament, what we see is kind of visitations of God's Spirit. God's Spirit coming upon people to enable them to do the miraculous. And so there's a part of that action going on, and there's a part of it that is just pure, God, I don't feel like you're close anymore. And God, you're not the one that left. So God, my greatest need right now is I need a new coat of paint on this old wood. Is that David's prayer? God, I want you to go down to the core. I want you to create in me, make something out of nothing, a clean heart, a 24-karat heart that beats for you, that my focus, my attention, my joy is you. Uh, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy that I've known before. And uphold me with a willing spirit. See, David had seen something that that, that probably scared him. Remember King Saul, the first king of Israel, before David became king? And, And God had blessed Saul, not because he deserved it, not because he had earned it, but because God just blessed Saul. And yet Saul turned his heart. And the Bible even says that God hardened the heart and turned the heart of Saul. Theologians will discuss that until we go to glory. And then God will say it was this simple. <laughs> but right now we're just kind of still struggling. Okay, what does that mean? I think it means that just God gave him way to his own heart. And what happened? First Samuel sixteen fourteen. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. Is that a scary verse? I hope it scares you, not to death, but to concern, to evaluation. David had seen this because if you go back to 1 Samuel 16, right after this, Saul says, hey, do we have anybody that can play the lyre, that that can play the harp? Well, this David guy does. And so what would the king do? He'd call David to come in and play. 
And guess what happened? All this grievous fear, this tormenting would leave him for the moment. David experienced that. David also experienced spears coming at his being from Saul. And now it was in his life. It wasn't, man, Saul's lost it. Have you ever had a friend, a family member that lost it? Lost a marriage, lost this, lost a job over foolish sin? And you see it from afar and you're going, oh my goodness. You know. Have you ever had that mirror reversed and all of a sudden you're not looking at a friend or a family member? You see that potential in your own life. I believe that's what David's going through. He he knows. Let not your spirit depart from me. I need your power. I need your presence. I know and have known the joy of your salvation that you've given to me. And I just ask, will you do that? Will you renew a right spirit to me? Will you restore to me the joy of your salvation, God? Will you uphold me with a willing spirit? So what a great prayer for us to pray. So having discipleship Thursday morning and Taylor, you said, that'd be a good prayer to start every day off with. Do you remember my response? Yes. <laughs> Not in some kind of rote way, but in true conviction. God created me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. When we begin to really kind of break that down, what we're asking is, God, I don't need a gloss of paint. God, I have, can we go to that next verse? God, I have rotten wood and I've got termites. And you can paint that and how long will that last, that paint? A day? Two days? It looks kind of shiny. But how long will that take before those termites and that rottenness and the moisture and the mold or whatever it is down there starts to show through and all of a sudden that paint is not there anymore and all of a sudden... All of a sudden you see that it wasn't just a surface thing, that it was really a foundational problem. That's his prayer. And what a good prayer for me to pray every morning. God, I don't know. You know, next week we're, we leave at 3.30 in the morning, go to Utah, so we've got to look good for a week. Created me a clean heart. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the Holy Spirit. What a relevant prayer for us to pray this very morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the intimacy of this text. Father, thank you that... uh, you showed David his greatest need. Father, you showed him that he didn't need just a coat of new paint on old rotten termite infested wood, but that he needed you to make something out of nothing. 
that he couldn't help. It's not that he could bring half the material and you brought half the material. He, he asked you, God, will you make something out of it? I, I have nothing worthy to take to the king. God, I want a 24 karat gold heart. I, I don't want alloys. I don't want all this other stuff kind of in there. I want to have a pure heart toward you. I need your power. I need your presence. Because I've known it before and I miss it, God. Father, thank you that while David may not have known Jesus by the name Jesus, and he may not have known all the details of what was going to happen, he had faith that you were going to bring a rescuer, a restorer, a redeemer, one that could bring us hope in the midst of our failures. And so, Father, thank you that you have finished that story now. And that our hope is in Jesus Christ. That, Father, truly today that we can sing this song, not just as a hope, but, Father, that we can see that you've already finished that story. And that everything has been made complete for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, Father, will you help us to desire more than just a fresh coat of paint? Will you desire, will you give us the ability, Father, this morning to truly cry out to you for you to do something in our lives at such a core level that we truly are reflecting that we're a brand new person in Christ Jesus. And Father, would you do that even this morning as we pray this in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.